Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode number 25, how to repurpose your content for the best content marketing results. And it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, go to araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. So hopefully you know the drill by now. This is a happy hour. Ryan, what are you drinking today? You know, it's I love the the fall time of the year. It's uh, beginning slowly. It's not quite cooled off here yet. So I keep, you know, I'm going back to those fall beers. And, you know, Sam Adams is uh, is one of my favorites, especially when we get around to Oktoberfest time. So that is uh, that's what I'm drinking. So I went with, you've been on a kick lately. You've been drinking a lot of Oktoberfest mm-hmm. and I was inspired by that. And I was in the store the other day and I realized Yingling created an Oktoberfest. And I was like, I have got to try this. And I will tell you what, man, it does not disappoint. I'm, I'm very happy. I've got my Yingling Oktoberfest today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we have our beverages in hands. So let's get started. He's Chris Casale. I'm Ryan Smith. Thank you once again for joining us on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Marketing is a passion of ours. If you haven't figured this out already, and we think you're going to really enjoy this episode, our goal is to help your business achieve results so you can reach your goals. In this episode, we're going to explore how to work smarter and not harder in repurposing your content. Obviously, it takes a lot of time to produce a content asset, whether that's a blog post, a podcast episode, a YouTube video, or something else. Today, we want to examine ways that you can repurpose that content on other platforms. You've already done the work. We just want to talk to you about how can you reuse it. It's still going to take work, but this will allow you to maximize your potential with a minimal effort. The rule of seven is one of the oldest concepts in marketing. So although it's old, it doesn't mean that it's outdated. So the rule of seven simply says that the prospective buyer should hear or see your marketing message at least seven times before they're going to buy it from you. So today, we're going to show you examples of how to effectively repurpose your content. So as Chris says, you can work smarter and not harder. Simple ways to distribute your content that was going to save you time and money. In order to do this, we figured we're going to show you, uh, or at least tell you, how we do it here at Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And so this is going to be sort of our use case that we're going to start with, and then we'll get into other examples with that. You always have to start with some sort of centerpiece content, your pillar content. Now, that could be a blog post. And the example here we're going to use, it is a podcast audio recording. So for us, it's actually easier to talk through on the contents. And then after you have that content in a podcast episode. So once you have that long form content, now you can slice it and dice it and put it on to different social media platforms and repurpose that content. So we're going to start with how we do it first at Digital Marketing Happy Hour with our podcast episode. So a couple of things we do. When we record our podcast, as we're doing, we do it on Zoom. 
breaking news, everybody uses Zoom, right? So we also record the video at the same time. The audio gets pulled from the video and the audio obviously is what you're hearing right now on the podcast. Now you also have your video that you could repurpose for other forms. We then take the audio and we create a blog post out of it. Now creating that blog post, we like to use highlights of what is said and have the timestamps on it. So that way, if you come to the website, maybe you don't hear about it, you know, on Spotify or on Apple, you find it through a search engine. And when you get to our website, you're going to see the highlights of it with timestamps. So if there's something you want to hear, then you could fast forward and go to the spot that you're reading about and, you know, where it gets into maybe more detailed information on it. Also at the very top, we embed at the top of the blog post, the full episode in audio. So you're going to get the audio version and the written version all on our blog post. Now, once you have that, and it auto plays. So when you come, it's automatically going to start. Once you now have the video part of it, you can, again, edit that down to either the full episode that you can put on YouTube, or you can cut 15 seconds, 10 seconds, 60 seconds, and you could have those little snippets that you can produce and put on the different, you know, social media channels where it's on Facebook, where it is on Instagram and so forth. When you have that full episode, you could even on YouTube, you can embed that in your blog post or snippets from the episode in your blog post as well. Additionally, when you have the blog post you can create quote graphics. So if you have a guest on, for example, and they say something really awesome, you can create a graphic from that and then embed that into the blog post as well. What's also great about the quote graphic, and this is where you see it the most, you're going to see it shared on Instagram. You're going to see it shared on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Pinterest as well, and Twitter. So there's a lot of places you can put that quote graphic, which again, for us, it started off as from the podcast interview. So now that we have that, you can share your blog posts on social media. So all the major channels that you'd want to share it, you can share it. And of course, highly recommend that, you know, because we know email works, it's not dead, as we've talked about in the past, you should send your blog post out as part of a weekly newsletter to your audience, because there's a good chance your audience might not have heard your podcast recording, or they might have missed your blog post when it went live. So email is a great way to engage with your audience. Yeah. And the process for doing that is actually very straightforward. The first thing you think of is the same thing that you go to when you're working on a marketing campaign, which is you know, what is, what's the goal? What's the goal that the content is trying to achieve? Who is the audience you're trying to reach? And then based on that, where does that audience live, work, and play? So if you've decided that Pinterest or uh, Instagram are good places for you to post content because that's where your audience lives, well, then as Ryan said, you take the content that you've got, whether it's a podcast or a blog post, and you create sort of an infographic or an image out of it. And you can do that. We, in, in a previous podcast, Ryan and I talked about some of the tools that are out there. Canva is one of the ones that we recommended. That's a great tool to be able to go in, pull in some infographics, some photos, and put together an image that then you can use on those social platforms. For blogging, uh, WordPress is the number one blog in the world. Everybody seems to have a copy of that. But whether it's Wix or Squarespace, those are other great examples of other tools that you can be using as well to post content. If you've been doing this a while, you're going to start to accumulate a lot of blog posts on your website, uh, which we highly encourage. Once you start doing that, you're going to start seeing results from organic standpoint on there. 
when you now have a catalog of all of these blog posts, what do you do? There's a lot that you can do. And we've heard this from clients in the past. Once they publish it, it's there. They do that one promotional piece and then they never touch it again. Not just not promoting it again, they never touch that blog post. So a couple things you can do with that is take an old blog post and update it. If you have statistics in there that might be from a year ago, two years ago, even five years ago, update with the current statistics, add some copy in there to freshen it up, to make it relevant. So that's one thing you can do when you do that. All of a sudden, Google is going to you know scan through that again because you have added fresh content to something that's really old. There's a good chance the older those blog posts are, they might have some good juice already with it. But if you haven't done anything with it in a long time, in several months or several years, this is great for Google that uh, when it scans it, it, you know, it might push it higher up in the rankings again. So that's the first thing is to take those old blog posts. Number two, I would say if you have a bunch of blog posts that's around a certain theme, whatever that theme is, it could be, you know, if it's in the digital marketing space, it could be all about SEO. And you talk about on-page, off-page, technical SEO. These are the different types of content that you've written. As an example, when you get a bunch of them, let's say you have about 10,000 words total in blog posts. Take those blog posts and you want to create an ebook with it. Chris mentioned Canva. Canva is a great way to put some art in there. And you might want to do some transitions between blog posts, but you have the meat of your book already created. Now you just have to kind of uh, dovetail all that together through pictures and your creative as well. So that's a couple of things that you want to do with that. I want to interject right there, Ryan, because oh, I wanted to uh, mention if any of you have ever read a marketing book by Seth Godin, who's one of the big players in, in the space that we're in, you have read his blog. The reason I say that is because every book that Seth has produced started on his blog. He publishes posts on a bunch of ideas that he's got. He uses feedback from the audience to kind of shape those posts. And then he smashes a bunch of them together and those become his next book or his next ebook. So everybody's doing this. It's a great way to get started with it, to build more and more content over time. As Ryan mentioned, there are tools like Canva out there. There's also self-publishing platforms, things like Amazon's Kindle service that allows you to push a lot of those together and create eBooks that you can give away for free, but you can also sell them as well. So lots of opportunities there. And when you get that eBook, what you can do is create a landing page for it and you can put a form for people to download it. So here's your tip here. After Take all that blog posting you created a long time ago, make an ebook out of it. Now you can put a form fill in front of it and you're going to collect email addresses of people who are interested in reading that. So now you just have a lead magnet right there for it. The other thing you can do with some of your popular blog posts is you can create a guide or a cheat sheet based off the content there and look into your Google Analytics, see what people are going to the most, gravitating to, uh, especially look at organic. How are people finding it? And then you want to add a little bit extra to it, a cheat sheet or guide. Now with that, same thing with the ebook, you can make that a lead magnet. You can actually have your guide or cheat sheet have a link in the blog post. And now you can have people who are already reading that, you know, download our guide and you're going to collect an email address there, or you can follow up with them and email them more content. So those are just a couple of ways of creating an ebook and creating a guide and creating a cheat sheet. The next thing you can do from a video standpoint, because we know video is where it's at. Look at the blog posts again that are getting some traction and do those blog posts from a video standpoint. 
So you can create these blog posts and then publish them on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and your blog should be informative content. So therefore your video is going to be informative content. This is another way that people will be able to see you. You already have the content out there. You're just changing the format of it and you're going to build your expertise, your trust and authority with your audience. This is a great process, as Ryan described, that can allow you to get creative with some of your content. I have a client that actually works in the astrology space, very big in that space and has a lot of followers. He'll typically publish content on his blog and then share it across social media. Social media works very well for him, Facebook in particular, because it allows the people that follow him to comment and share stories and ask a bunch of questions. He then takes a bunch of the questions they ask and he records a video about the content answering a lot of those questions. So it's a way for him to leverage one piece of content across multiple platforms and the videos get shared like gangbusters because people are interested in it. They're active users asking those questions. So uh, it creates a lot of opportunity for you to kind of build on top of the existing content. But, you know, Ryan mentioned sort of establishing your authority in the space. This is another way to do that across different mediums. Another thing to dig deeper into blog posts that you can do, and a lot of times blog posts are at that awareness stage. And, you know, if you're still not quite familiar with the funnel or you think it's dead, by the way, go check out episode 24 about the marketing funnel and the types of content you can create for each stage of the funnel. A lot of times blog posts are at the top of the funnel in that awareness stage. If you're getting a lot of traction on that, you can actually start to create an online course. Again, we're talking about video, but you can dig deeper with that based off of what is getting the most traction. So, you know, how many times are people reading that specific article? Are they spending a lot of time on that page? Um, you can actually create in Google Analytics, uh, you can create uh, 25% scroll of the page, 50, 75, all the way down. If you set that up on your blog post, you can actually see are people spending a lot of time on the page? And if they are, are they making it all the way through or vice versa? Maybe they're not spending a lot of time on the page, but they are making it 75% of the way down. So you can at least start to weigh this out with looking at your analytics, you know, what type of engagement are people getting? And you can start to get a better feel if maybe you should dig deeper and creating an online course is one way that you can do that. Now, if you are getting a lot of traction on some of this blog post through your Google Analytics, create an ad. One of the big, I would say, misnomers with dealing with small to medium-sized businesses when you're creating an ad and you're creating a Facebook ad is they want to create an ad to a cold audience and send them right to a sales page. It happens all the time. And while you can get some fish if you're fishing that way, it's probably not going to be the most effective or the most cost-effective way to do it. A lot of times when you reach out on Facebook, you want people to become aware of you. You want to educate them. You want to, again, build your authority and your trust with that audience. Taking a blog post, it's called a native ad, and using that as an advertisement and sending those Facebook users, for example, to your website, to that specific blog post. This way, you're not sort of infringing on them of trying to get them to buy something right there. Even if you're offering a discount, you're getting them to learn a little bit about you. It's definitely not imposing on what they want at that moment. It's a way that they could learn, 
get educated. And it's uh, not intrusive. That's the word I was, I was looking for. It's a non-intrusive way that you could reach that audience. So when you create these ads on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, if it's not a warm audience that you're going after, and I mean warm, like it's a, it's, they've either purchased from you in the past or they have already been to your sales page, then don't send them directly to your sales page if you're going after a cold audience on these. Send them to something that is a little less intrusive and that will educate them. So create a native ad on those social media platforms. Another option is to repurpose your blog posts on other publishing platforms. For example, LinkedIn has the ability to publish posts, as does websites like Medium, right? Take the content of your blog post, publish on those websites with a little link at the bottom that says, original story appeared here with a link back to your site. This gives you the opportunity to share your content on additional platforms, but to also take advantage of their publishing network and hopefully gain some new followers and people that are interested in the content that you're producing. Another option is curate the most engaging third-party articles that you've come across on social media sites. So for example, as you're browsing through Twitter and you see certain things being shared over and over again, take those and create a curated blog post of all of the week's articles. This is something Ryan and I used to do very frequently on the website araxum.com. We would take the five most prominent marketing stories of that week, and we would share them with a little synopsis, a little paragraph under each one over on what we thought of that particular article. And it was very good for topical conversations because those were all very recent articles, and we got a lot of very good engagement in them. And as a result of that, you know, people aren't going to necessarily come back to your, your blog or your platform to see old content, but it might attract people that were otherwise unaware of that content who then start browsing some of the other things that you've got to offer. So it's a great gateway blog post to sort of get people to come and check out what it is that you're publishing content on. You know, the, the last part about the two, which I, I find really effective is when people are reading an article and you always link back to the original source as, as kind of Chris was talked about. When they're going to, let's say you have an article and I'll throw this out there, like the social media examiner, Mashables, things like that. You start, they start getting enough referral traffic from your website they're going to start to realize that you're going to end up on their radar a little bit. Now it takes a long time to do that. It's not going to happen once or twice, but when you get those reputable ones and you're sending them traffic for them, it's going to take a lot longer. Maybe if it's a little bit smaller of a maybe trade magazine or trade website, it might not take quite as long, but eventually they're going to recognize. And I, I think at one point I heard, and this was a while ago, uh, Michael Stelzner at social media examiner, they keep a list of the, the people who retweet them the most because they know that's their audience. They want to you know engage with those people because they're the ones who are pushing their content out there. So I might not have told that exactly how it is, but they do recognize those you know people who share the wealth, share the news that they're putting out there in social media, which is very smart. Those are the people that you want to engage with the most. And I've done it before and I've gotten thank yous from different people when you've shared their content uh, with it. So those are several different, you know, keys of repurposing content that you can do with a blog post. And I'm sure there are more, but these are the ones that we've found that have really worked for us. Outside of blog posts, there's additional things that you can do. If you have created a webinar, webinars are great. Repurpose those as video tutorials. So if you have an educational webinar, you're talking up to a group of prospects. You know, if it's educational at this point, it's going to be a group of prospects. Save that video in your webinar, and then you can repurpose it, put it on your YouTube page. 
you know, anytime you put videos, by the way, on YouTube, make sure you're very detailed in your descriptions so that the search engines can find you easier on that. Make sure you have your right keywords in there. A lot of times, you know, I put the blog post in the description uh, of that video. So if I wrote a blog post, then I created a YouTube video from that blog post. I'm also gonna take the blog post and put it as the description. Again, a lot of times it's about working smarter, not harder. Don't always have to rewrite the entire description but your blog post should be pretty keyword rich and specific. So again, just copy and paste it and put it into the YouTube dis uh, description, which will help a lot. So take your webinars and repurpose them into video tutorials. The next thing is to take your visual content. We talked a little bit about that before. Visual content could be so many different things. It could be you know, a quote that you put in your blog post and you wanted to share it on social media. Again, those work great on Instagram. Also, Pinterest, we mentioned that earlier. Pinterest really has done a great job of spreading the wealth in a way and getting more reach on their organic. So if Pinterest is something that you have really not dabbled into too much, there is a whole audience on Pinterest. Now, Pinterest, like most social media, always skews more towards females. I would say Pinterest is heavily uh, on the female side. So if that is where your target, who your target audience is, you cannot leave that out of your marketing mix. Now it goes beyond just that. So it is a great, great tool to, you know, put your quotes, for example, that we just talked about in an image and then share that image on Pinterest. Now, here's the thing. If you already have that image in a blog post, post it on Pinterest. So you can post a description on your image on Pinterest and also put your URL back to the blog post that the image was from. So as you can see, it's sort of that circle, you know, it starts in your blog post, it goes to Pinterest and it goes from Pinterest back to your blog post again. And you're going to see that with everything we do, it's always linking, should be linking back to your website, even when you go off to these social media platforms. Pinterest is great and should definitely be considered in your advertising and your marketing strategy. And then last, you know, you have these PowerPoint slides, you have these presentations. You can take the information from that and you can create an infographic uh, presentation, which infographics still do so well. Um, they work great on social media. They are great to add to a blog post recently came across uh, a tool called Vengage. It's free. And if you are not very creative creating infographics, which I am not, I use it. It was so simple to create an infographic. Um, it's a freemium. And I think if you're just getting started, the tools that they offer on the free side of creating an infographic is, is plenty to get started. But if you really want to add some bells and whistles to your infographic, then you can maybe look into the premium version of it. So creating an infographic off of PowerPoint presentations is a great way to repurpose that content. And one of my favorites is collect data and research and turn that data into an infographic. That could be internal data that you're collecting for your business or your organization. It could be based on case studies that you've collected over time. You can even leverage your social media to ask poll questions on things like Twitter and LinkedIn and collect data that way. Promote stats on social media. This works really, really well on LinkedIn. And as Ryan mentioned, you can use services like Canva, like Vengage to create an infographic out of the data that you've got. And people love sharing statistics and information on it. Look at how well eMarketer does with the stats and surveys and data that they share. So this is a great way to take some of your own internal data and share it externally. 
And then the last bit here that we're going to cover today is on testimonials. Everybody should be capturing testimonials from your customers. Ideally, you always want to get testimonials on video. That will carry much more weight than if you have some text testimonials on your website because everybody looks at that and they kind of roll their eyes because of course you're only going to put the you know and the best text reviews on your website and who knows if they're actually real i think this is common things that people think about if you have it on video that's a whole different story so get your video testimonials and add them to your website now once you have those video testimonials there's more you can do with it if you are running social media ads and again, this is great when people are already familiar with your products, they're familiar with your brand, they come to your website, and then they leave. Now that they're familiar, especially if they've been to your sales page, but they have not converted yet, send testimonials, video ads as a part of your remarketing ad sequence. This works great for people who have been to your sales page, but they didn't convert. What they're going to do the next time they fire up their Facebook is they're going to see happy customers in their Facebook newsfeed, and they are going to have hear nothing but success stories, and this is going to drive them back to your website. And now it's going to be top of mind, again, because they're hearing of great stories on the product, your customer service, et cetera. So testimonials, great remarketing that I don't think a lot of people, you know, do enough of anyway. And then lastly, we talked a little bit about emails. When you receive an email address, you should be sending out automated lead nurturing, right? If they give you their lead, they downloaded one of your lead magnets, it's a cheat sheet or it's a guide, start automating and sending them emails. You know, there there are plenty of automated email uh, service providers. HubSpot has it, ConvertKit has it, Uh, MailChimp, you can do it through that, through premium. So there are ways you can do that. Once you get to towards the end of your lead nurturing sequence, and again, it's not going to be salesy, other successful blog posts, as they keep getting engaging, you kind of want to get them closer to more of that consideration stage. And now they're like, okay, I'm between you and something else. This is when you want to send them, you know, add testimonials as part of your lead nurturing sequence. Again, this will help kind of push them over the goal line because they're hearing nothing but success stories. So Testimonials added to your website. You want to add testimonials to your remarketing ads for people who are familiar with your product. I I mean, I'm not saying you can't do it to a cold audience. I find it to be more effective that when people are weighing between you and a competitor, that's when you want to hit them up with uh, the testimonials and then include them also in part of your lead nurturing uh, email sequence. Yeah, and I would add the caveat that while testimonials and case studies can be fantastic selling tools for your organization, also be careful about how much you're pushing them in front of individuals. Think of the way you digest success stories, right? Not every success story, not every testimonial relates to you. Certain ones do, right? They're the types of testimonials where you had the same problem or you're looking for a similar outcome or things like that, right? So just consider that as you're sharing those testimonials and you're kind of putting them front and center, don't ram them down everybody's throat. Don't force everybody to to read through them to get to those specific areas of your website or to other portions of your content, make sure you're sharing relevant testimonials and relevant case studies with the right segments of your audience. Excellent. And, you know, I think we covered a lot. 
I'm sure we didn't cover everything. You you might have, as you're listening to this saying, oh, well, this is how we do it in our company. You didn't mention that. You know, the show can only go on for so long. So what we want to do though, if you have ideas, you know, send them to us and maybe we can either bring you on or we can have a, a part two of this episode of additional ways that we can repurpose content. So with that, it's not all business that we talk about here. Chris, is there anything you're watching or binging these days? <laughs> I feel like you're setting me up on that one. Honestly, I've been dealing with a lot of family stuff, so I haven't had an opportunity to watch much TV. I would be remiss if I did not congratulate you on the fact that your Rays beat my Yankees. Uh, My only request moving forward is please go beat the Houston Astros because, good God, everybody wants to see Houston lose at this point. But as for myself, I, I, as I said, I haven't had an opportunity to watch much TV, but I am reading a book that's been in my Kindle library for a while called Lean Analytics, Use Data to Build a Better Startup Faster. And I've, we've mentioned it on the podcast numerous times, how important data is to us and how much we like to look at it. This book sort of gives you a unique perspective at looking at some of the data that you collect, some of your analytics and information and how you can leverage that to make smarter business decisions. So I'm only about a quarter of the way through, but so far it's it's excellent. And I would recommend it. What about you, Ryan? No, interesting. So what, that does sound really good. So what was the title of that? And who's the author? It's called Lean Analytics, Use Data to Build a Better Startup Faster. And it's by Alistair Kroll and Benjamin Yaskovitz. It's so important. It's something, you know, we, we, we do talk a little bit about, and I know this is something that, especially coming up here soon, we're going to get into it a little bit more of looking at your analytics and making, uh, you know, analytical decisions, you know, marketing decisions based on the analytics. So uh, it's great that you, uh, you mentioned that. I, on the other hand, am not reading a marketing book. I will say this, I am in like this sports mania right now. So coming off of the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, which is only the second time it's happened in Tampa, it's been 16 years in between. And now that the Tampa Bay Rays beat the Yankees and now they're in the American league championship series, like every weekend or every weekend nights, uh, weekday night, weekend night. It seems like it's these games are all the time. That's all I'm doing is, is consuming baseball. The baseball is great. I do hope of course, uh, they beat the uh, Astros and cause nobody, I, I think half the people in Houston don't even like the Astros. I'll be honest with you. I think um, they have to say they like them because they're from Houston, but no, they cheated. They need to lose. <laughs> they did cheat. Um, so, which is sad because they're actually such a good baseball team. It's like they didn't even have to do that. that that's a whole nother topic. So that is what I have been keeping it light and sort of binging right now is, uh, is playoff uh, playoff baseball. I'm not a big NBA fan. Congrats to the Lakers. Um, they just close it out, but uh it did nothing for me. I'll be honest with you. The uh, basketball. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not much of a basketball fan myself. And this season has been unique, let's say. Yeah, no doubt. Just a whole different 2020 itself, sports and business. Yeah, it's, it, it, I hope we never have another year like we, we experience, except Touché. for Tampa Bay sports. I hope that part continues. But we want to hear from you. We talked about it earlier. If there are different repurposing content uh, tactics that you use that we didn't mention, we'd love to hear from you. We can maybe do a part two if we get enough of them um, or even bring you on. You never know. So reach out to us. Email us at podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. Uh, you want to hit me up on social media, go to LinkedIn. Just type in Ryan Smith Marketing. You'll find me there or type in Araxam. You'll find Chris and I there on LinkedIn as well. But also Twitter and 
Instagram, Ryan Smith, FLA is the best way to reach me on those platforms. And I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. On LinkedIn, you can find me under Chris Casale. You can also find me under Araxum or Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And on Twitter, my handle is Real Chris Casale. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We truly hope it will enlighten your day. After all, this is our mom's favorite podcast. And on that note, Chris and everybody else, hey, thanks for listening. We had a great conversation. Hope you got something out of it. And we will see you next week. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxam at A-R-A-X-A-M dot com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at cactuslimrecords.com. The music used for closing credits In My Pocket by Jazzer, you can find it on their album Message. Learn more at betterwithmusic.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>